episode 70. The Burning of the Gatsby. Deborah A. Halliday. February 2018. When Lindsay taunted Dunningston that June day, the British captain bristled at the sight, so Gatsby chased the Hannah up the bay till low tide and a sandbar stopped her might. But Lindsay's lighter craft continued on to Providence, where Sabrin's tavern stood. And there the plot unfolded and was drawn to get rid of the hated ship for good. The Gatsby turned to cinders on that night, and repercussions started in the morn. But out of conflict grew a bigger fight, and from resistance was a nation born. When righteous cause and selfish greed unite, each side strives to prove that they were right. Greetings and welcome into the Patuxent General. I am your host, Jess. May brings Gatsby celebrations to Patuxent Village and we are no different. Thank you to the Gatsby Day Committee. We have recipes, drinks, and a joke or two. Just to give you a little shiver, how about a creepy little tale of Poe? But first, we must thank our Patreon subscribers. These coast-defending folk are the law-breaking, costume-wearing, gun-firing, ship-burning, cafe-conspiring, and quietly-making-off peeps that are the Patuxent General, without whom we would merely be colonies. So thank you! If you would like to be one of these revolutionary folk, Please look upon our page on Patreon.com or simply follow the link in the show notes. But until then, we have a few Gatsby archival recipes and poems, so enjoy. This from the Gatsby Virtual Archives, a recipe for revolution, a new flavor to an old story. Ingredients. One schooner HMS Gatsby. One packet Hannah one despicable Lieutenant William Dunningston, one clever Captain Benjamin Lindsay, a stamp act, a sandbar, about 64 angry colonists, including John Brown and Abraham Whipple, eight longboats, muskets, powder horns, and bullets, one torch, and one extra straw. Directions, step one. On June 9th, 1772, mix the Gatsby, Dunningston, and Stamp Act and float per order of island in a large bowl of water. Agitate persistently. Two, combine the Hannah and Lindsay. Pursue with previous mixture using plenty of aggravation. Add extra straw. Passover sandbar, the Gatsby mixture should stick to the bottom. Place Hannah combination aside in Providence and spread word. Step 5. In a separate container, a Sabin tavern will suffice. Mix angry colonists, brown bullets, and rum to taste. Inspire to action. Step 6. A few hours later, place the Gatsby mixture, which should be stuck on the Dunningston, and remove Dunningston and crew and bring ashore. Step 7. Ignite torch and light up Gatsby. Simmer slowly until nothing remains. Step 8. Keep colonists anonymous for years. 
and step nine for a topping sift letters from House of Burgesses in Virginia through 13 colony correspondence. Gel for a year until it becomes the first Continental Congress. The yield, America's first blow for freedom. We have three short drinks for you this week. Enjoy as cocktails or mocktails, depending on how you fly. But here are your three drinks. And enjoy a sherry cobbler. For this, you will need... 1. Fill half a tall glass with cracked ice. 2. Add a tablespoon of powdered sugar. 3. Add one sherry glass of sherry. 4. Serve with a spoon until glass is frosted. 5. Decorate with choice of sliced fruit, oranges, lemons, pineapples, cherries, etc. And 6. Serve with a straw. Or if you wanted something even more simple, try a snaggery made of red wine or fruit juice, take your pick, and soda water. But let's say you have a large group coming. You will need, for spiced cider punch, 1 gallon apple cider, 4 2-inch sticks of cinnamon, one tablespoon whole cloves, one tablespoon allspice, three lemons and three oranges. Place the cider and spices in a large pot. Heat slowly, stirring often. Then, drain and chill. Add sliced fruit to float on top. It serves 25. So, for 25 or 3 or 1, enjoy these drinks and try out molasses recipes for molasses donuts you will need. 1 half cup molasses, 1 quarter cup sugar, 1 half cup sour milk, 1 egg, 1 teaspoon soda, that's baking soda, 1 half teaspoon ginger, 1 teaspoon salt, 1 half teaspoon nutmeg, and 2 cups of flour or just enough to handle easily. Fry in a hot fat at 380 degrees, makes about two dozen donuts. Or you could try 1776 molasses dumplings. For those you will need two cups flour, two teaspoons fat, one teaspoon salt, two tablespoons cream of tartar, one teaspoon baking soda, and three quarters of a cup of milk. Step one. Mix dumplings and roll into one inch thickness. Cut with a small cutter. Step two, drop two or three at a time in hot fat. Step three, have ready another kettle of boiling molasses. As soon as fried, drop into the boiling molasses. Step four, remove and drain. Delicious. I can't wait to try those. Looking for an opportunity to hang out with the Patuxent General crew? How about play some of those pinball machines you've been hearing about? Not to mention pizza strips to benefit the kitchen mission at the Edgewood Congregational Church. Well, check out our Gatsby Fringe Fun Fair. The fair is Saturday, May 27th from 9 until 2. There will be vendors with food and crafts, a build-a-clam workshop for the little ones, an electromagnetic pinball is going to blow your minds with all the games. 
Is that enough? No. There will also be a huge thrift shop yard sale. Jewelry, clothes, household goods and books. Something for everyone. The Gatsby Fringe Fun Fair takes place Saturday, May 27th at the Edgewood Congregational Church from 9 till 2 p.m. I'll be there all day serving up pizza strips from the Kitchen Mission. Bring your questions and I'll have answers. So meet us there. I want to tell you about my friend Mike and his Electromagnetic Pinball Museum and Restoration Arcade. It's an all-inclusive place to relax and share anything related to modern pinball, EM pinball, and arcade games. A group of pinball and arcade fans with an addiction to games of all kinds and Lego too. $10 gets you free play on pinball and arcade games all day. You can find them at 881 Main Street, Pawtucket, Rhode Island, or online at www.electromagneticpinballmuseum.com. And now, the ghost of Edgar Allan Poe in Providence. The house at 88 Benefit Street in Providence overlooks a quaint and historical cemetery plot, which has served as a nexus for horror fiction writers, beginning with the acclaimed and admired, if misunderstood, Edgar Allan Poe. Everyone today knows Poe as the author of The Raven. He is world-renowned as the originator of Gothic horror and poetry. But what most people don't know is that in his time he was not so revered. A certain group of New York literati, who veritably controlled the publishing houses at the time, saw his work as puerile and obscene, and depicted him as an unreliable substance abuser. But that's another story. This story is about Sarah. Sarah Helen Whitman, writer, poet, occultist, mesmerist, scientist, transcendentalist, and gardener. She dressed all in black. She wore a coffin pendant around her neck. She liked to cosplay as the goddess Athena and parade herself down Benefit Street. And it's said that she had weekly seances. She was beautiful and statuesque, with bright blue eyes and banana-curled hair. Sarah had a garden in her backyard, and that garden overlooked the Gothic nexus of a cemetery plot at St. John's Cathedral, where so many authors would find their respective muses. In 1848, Sarah wrote a poem called To Edgar Allan Poe, referencing his poem, The Raven, for a Valentine's Day party, which Poe was supposed to have attended, but the hosts were warned about Poe from the New York literati. So, Poe found out about the tribute secondhand. To Edgar Allan Poe by Sarah Helen Whitman if thy sad heart, pining for human love, in its earth's solitude grew dark with fear, lest the high sun of heaven itself should prove powerless to save from that phantasmal sphere where thy spirit wandered. And if the flowers that pressed around thy feet seemed but to bloom in lone Gethsemanes through starless hours when all who have loved thee have left thee to thy doom, O yet believe that in that hollow vale, where thy soul lingers, waiting to attain so much of heaven's sweet grace as shall avail to lift its burden of remorseful pain, my soul shall meet thee 
and its heaven forego, till God's great love on both, one hope, one heaven bestow. When he did find out about this poem and read it, he was, of course, captivated, for Sarah was a formidable writer. He wrote back with the following verse, based on accidental sighting he'd had of her when she was working in her garden years before. To Helen by Edgar Allan Poe Helen, thy beauty is to me like those Nicene barks of yore that gently o'er a perfumed sea the weary, wayworn wanderer bore to his own native shore. On desperate seas long wont to roam, thy hyacinth hair, thy classic face, thy naiad airs have brought me home to the glory that was Greece and the grandeur that was Rome. Lo, in yon brilliant window niche, how statue-like I see thee stand, the agate lamp within thy hand, Oh, Psyche, from the regions which are holy land. In 1847, Edgar lost his first wife, Virginia Clem, to tuberculosis. Poe had begun drinking heavily upon the onset of her illness in 1842, and by 1848 he was self-destructive. On his way to Providence to meet Sarah Helen from Lowell, Mass., Poe took a nearly lethal dose of laudanum and was thus waylaid in Boston. Sarah Helen's transcendentalist friends and upper-crust family, on the other hand, were not impressed by Mr. Poe, nor were they in any way shy about letting him know it. My heart is heavy, Helen, for I see your friends are not my own. The two would remain close in correspondence, despite the grievances of the town square. Sarah was not one to be told what to do, and Poe would do lectures and readings at the famous Providence Athenaeum. Eventually, Poe would return to Providence in December of 1848, where he recited poetry to Sarah and secured acceptance to a proposal of immediate marriage. There was only one condition, sobriety. Poe agreed to teetotal his way to nuptial bliss, and the arrangements were made for a December 25th wedding. The wedding would be called off on December 23, 1848, after being announced in the papers. Nobody is really sure what the specifics were, as there were so many different versions of why the wedding was abruptly canceled. One account of the cancellation was that Sarah's brothers took Edgar out for a bachelor party and convinced him to inebriate himself. One account was that Edgar got drunk on purpose to thwart having the wedding, and the police had to come and arrest him. Another account dictates that Sarah Helen received an anonymous letter claiming that Edgar had been drunk and the wedding was off. Whence, Sarah inhaled an overdose of ether, which she used to treat her heart condition. As Edgar ran to her side and tried to rouse her, she could only exclaim, I love you, before fading into unconsciousness. The two would never see each other again, although Sarah remained a friend, fan, and ally to Edgar all through his days and would live to the ripe old age of 75. Edgar, on the other hand, would not survive the year. He was found in a state of semi-consciousness on a park bench in stranger's clothes. He would die of literally unknown causes in Maryland. His last words, Lord, help my poor soul. Which brings us back to the graveyard nexus at St. John's Cathedral, where H.P. Lovecraft would feel Poe's spirit 
watching the Whitman house, and at once was inspired to write such tales and verse as The Shunned House and The Tomb. Yes, that tomb. And then there's all the haunted activity that has been reported from Benefit Street since. For years, there have been reports of strange lights and sounds in the early morning hours when the misty old street is empty. Reports of footsteps rapidly running towards the house at 88 Benefit Street and stopping at her doorstep have been reported by several witnesses. Other witnesses have reported seeing the apparition of Edgar Allan Poe in the cemetery at St. John's Cathedral or wandering confused in front of the Athenaeum. In another sighting, during the daytime, an early morning commuter came across a man dressed in ill-fitting shabby clothes, lying on the steps of the Providence Athenaeum. Concerned for the man's health and welfare, the Providence commuter roused the man to consciousness. The shabby man awoke, startled, and thanked the commuter profusely. He proclaimed, Thank you for waking me. I was dreaming of the conqueror worm. And this is from the Poe poem, which ends, Out, out are the lights, out all. And over each quivering form, the curtain, a funeral pall, comes down with a rush of storm, and the angels, all pallid and wan, uprising, unveiling, affirm. And the play is the tragedy, man. And its hero, the conqueror worm. This commuter, disturbed by the bizarre behavior, left the shabby man who looked like Poe to resume his stupor, convinced that the man was mentally ill. At a safe distance, when he looked back over his shoulder, he watched the man slowly disappear into a mist on the empty Athenaeum steps. You can still see Poe and Whitman together today at the Providence Athenaeum on Benefit Street, where their portraits are displayed together overlooking the literature that they loved. Thank you once again for joining us today at the Patuxent General. Please join us at the Gatsby Fringe Fun Fair on Saturday the 27th of May at Edgewood Congregational Church or at Emerald Frog Reiki and More on Sunday the 28th of May for baked goods, nuts, cheeses, and Gatsby fun. If you would like to reach out, our email is jess at patuxentgeneral.com. So email us or join us, but until then, I'll meet you right back here next time at the Patuxent General. A Something for Posterity production, pre-recorded in Patuxent.